0: Hey guys, today we are talking about getting a second opinion and why that could be one of the most important first steps of your autism and epilepsy parenting journey. Whether your child has received a diagnosis or not, it is always a good idea to get another person's perspective in your child's treatment plan. I will share what getting a second opinion has done for our family and what it might have looked like if we never went down that route. If you have been on the fence about getting someone else's thoughts on what's going on with your child, this episode should help you rethink why it might be a good idea to look into it. So let's get started. Welcome to Accepting the Unacceptable, a podcast for parents raising children with neurological differences. My five-year-old daughter, Remy, has autism and epilepsy. And while this hasn't been the easiest road, it's a road with more wonder and adventure than I could have ever imagined. I'm here to give you encouragement and share wisdom and stories to help you along in your own journey. Because let's face it, this parenting thing is not easy. I'm your host, Jody Warshawski, a wife, a mother of four, and a gal just trying to figure all this stuff out. Thank you so much for joining me, and welcome to the show. Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of Accepting the Unacceptable. Yay! I know I said that on the last one, but this is really the first one because now we're diving into topics. And today's topic is about getting a second opinion. I know it's not the funnest topic to talk about, but it's one of those foundational pieces of parenting a child with autism or epilepsy that I think that we really need to get down. And for me, I remember when I first started this journey with Remy, I didn't even know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know anything, but I think when you're beginning the journey, Finding doctors and treatment plans and all of that, it's just something that you have to learn. And if you don't know the answers, you're not alone. I think we're all in the same boat when we first start. But that's why I want to talk about this today, because these are the things that we have to figure out. So when it comes to raising children with epilepsy or autism... I feel like we need to focus on three pillars and you have to put focus on each three of them because if you take one away or you put, you don't put enough focus in one, it can make life hell. So the three pillars are the foundational piece that's getting the right doctor, the schools, the therapist, treatment plans, the diet, maybe if you have a different diet. Uh, the medical equipment that you need. Navigating all of that is one of those foundational pieces. And we really need to learn how to become the best advocate for our child so that they can live the best life they can live. The second pillar is just the caring for your child. And this one kind of, you can relate this to any neurotypical kid as well. It's the same thing. That's taking care of your kids and driving them to school and making them food and clothing them, nurturing them, loving them, kissing their boo-boos, playing with them, building that bond. Uh, those are really important. We're going to talk about this in the podcast a lot, but not as much as the other two pillars. The third pillar is Self care as a parent or personal development, which is my favorite of the topic, which is why we will spend so much time talking about it in the podcast. But today we are talking all about getting a second opinion, and I'm going to share about our story and what that revealed for us and how it was the biggest piece of the puzzle that we could ever have hoped for. So On the last episode, I was talking about how Remy went to the, we had a neurologist here where we live in the Sacramento area. And the neurologist was kind of just kind of given to us because she was the one that we saw when Remy first went to the hospital. We had just decided that we would follow up with her. So because she knew Remy's case. So About eight weeks after the very first time that she went to the hospital, we went to the doctor, um, we went to the neurologist, and the neurologist was going over all of the tests that she had taken. Well, they all came back negative. The doctor said, we have no idea why Remy is having seizures. Take these medications. And that's pretty much it. We had a lot of questions for her. And at the time, it was just giving us like the standard advice, like we don't really have any answers. So the only thing that we can do is just watch for seizures. And if she has any more, just bring her back to the hospital. And so when we left that appointment, there was something that just felt like, there's got to be more. And I remember watching an episode of Oprah. I used to watch Oprah when I was little um, with my grandma and so I don't know how old I was, maybe 13 or 14. I remember this one episode, Dr. Oz was on her show. This is before Dr. Oz had his own show, and he used to be a guest on Oprah's show. So the topic of this one particular show was get about getting a second opinion. And I really can't remember the details of that episode. It was probably telling stories about someone who had a disease or maybe a heart condition or something. And the whole message of the show was that Dr. Oz was saying, if if you get a diagnosis, you always have a right to get a second opinion. And so this show came to my mind after this appointment with our neurologist. So I talked to Zach and I was like, you know, I don't know, I, th- I think that we should go somewhere else. And even though we had done all the tests, I just felt like maybe someone else knows about this. Because from what we knew, Everyone at the hospital and the neurologist, all they would say is that we haven't seen a case like this with another kid. I don't really know what it is. And with Remy, her seizures were so bad, I couldn't accept that nobody knew what to do. There had to be someone else out there that had seizures like Remy. I didn't know how to find that person or that specialist or that doctor, but I thought it was worth trying. So what I did is I just started Googling, you know, top neurologists and neurologists that that specialize in infant seizures. And I just searched all kinds of stuff, seizures where people stopped breathing, clustered seizures, epilepsy, whatever I could think of, I searched. And I came up with a list of doctors. I narrowed my search down and I found one doctor one doctor that, just on paper, she looked like she would be the the best person for being able to at least point us in another direction or in the right direction. And so, um, I called, I called her office, Doctor Angelo. I'm that's not her real name, but I didn't get her permission to talk about her. So for now, I'm just going to call her Doctor Angelo. So I called Doctor Angelo's office. And I asked if they would take our insurance, and they said they did. And I asked if we could schedule an appointment for a second opinion. Um, We weren't able to be seen for two and a half months when I called. And and at that point, I was like, okay, fine. Like, whatever. Yeah, sure. I'll book the appointment. No problem. We'll wait. I mean, what else are we going to do? So I booked the appointment, and I kind of forgot about it not totally forgot about it but it just it just wasn't on 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 our mind until Remy started having seizures again and she ended up back in the hospital and at that point I was committed to going to that second opinion and it just so happened that the second opinion appointment was like right at the same time that we were in the hospital with Remy but luck would have it that Remy got released from the hospital and we were able to make that second opinion appointment with Dr. Angelo. When we went into the office, we sat down and we explained everything about what we had experienced with Remy. We talked about the hospital. We talked about how she stopped breathing. We talked about, we described her seizures, exactly how they looked. And Dr. Angelo asked tons of questions. And at the end of us explaining it took like an hour to explain our experience she asked questions she's like you know this really sounds genetic and we said well we did we did get a a gene test and so she so we gave her all the paperwork that we had and it had a list of all the genes that Remy was tested for but it didn't have the results on it So she looked over that list and she goes, oh, wow, I'm, you know, I I see everything's negative. There is another gene that I suggest that you test for. Just one gene. It's just a blood test. Send it in. It'll take eight to 12 weeks to get the results. But it's a gene called PRRT2. And it just seems since Remy was negative on all these other genes, it really looks like this could be it. And so she suggested that we go home, get the blood test, and then have a follow-up appointment if we had decided that we wanted to go with her. Well, when we left that appointment, we were blown away because Dr. Angelo had tons of ideas about the treatment that Remy was already getting. She disagreed with the drugs that she was getting. She was asking questions that the other neurologists never asked. And she had ideas about some genes that hadn't, that Remy hadn't been tested for. The other neurologist never talked to us about genes. She did send off for for the test, but we asked her, like, does this look like anything else? And she just didn't know. She said, you know, seven out of 10 people that have epilepsy never figure out why. And so we just figured that's as much as she knew. But this new doctor, Dr. Angelo, she seemed spot on. And so we went home and we decided, okay, yeah, let's switch neurologists. Like whatever happens, if we figure out what Remy has or not, I think that this is a better fit. And I just wanted to mention that I think throughout this whole process, when I used my intuition it always served me well and pointed us in the right direction. And at this point, my gut just told me that this was the right move. So I just wanted to mention that because throughout any process that you go through with your kid, if you feel like something's off or something's wrong, or you feel like there's something more, you should really follow that because you never know where it could lead. The only disadvantage is that Yeah, it might be a little bit more work, but in the end, it could be worth it. So we stalled a little bit and didn't get Remy's blood test for two months after we saw Dr. Angelo. But finally, we got around and we got her blood test to send off for this gene. Meanwhile, I went home and I researched PRRT2. And I was like amazed. I never would have found this gene. But I was convinced that that was what Remy had. Everything about it looked like just fit the bill. And the one exciting thing is that with this gene, a lot of the kids that have that have this gene, gene missing or mutated gene, uh, they stop having seizures after they're two years old. And at the time, Remy was, was almost one. And so I was thinking like, okay, well, if she has this gene... She'll stop having seizures after she's two, and then we can live happily ever after. So I was really anxious to get the test back. And meanwhile, I scheduled another appointment with Dr. Angelo. So we go back to the appointment, and this was like the first official appointment where we had made the decision and we switched over insurance and everything and so Dr. Angelo said, "I ha- do you guys have the results of the gene test? We didn't have them with us, but she said, okay, when you leave, I'm going to send off for those tests. I know that everything came out negative. I just want to make sure that everything was thorough and that I can just see it in my hands. I just, I want to see that piece of paper. So we left the appointment and went home. Well, the next day I got a call from Dr. Angelo and she said, she said, hey, Jody, are you guys still in the Bay Area? And um, I said, no, we came home last night. And she said, well, is there any way that you could come back? And I said, um, we can. It'll take us a few hours to get there. Is there something that we could talk about over the phone? And she said, yeah, uh, I would prefer not to talk about this on the phone, but if... Since you're really far, uh, that's fine. Uh, we'll we'll do it over the phone. So I went into Zach's office and I put the phone on speaker. I said, "Okay, Doctor Angelo, you're here with me and Zach." And um, she said, "Well, I sent off for the gene test that Remy had taken at the other hospital, and I got the results. I'm looking at the results, and I know I know what Remy has." she did come up positive on one of the genes and we were like what really and she goes yeah she goes didn't the other neurologist tell you and I said no she didn't she said everything came out negative negative." and she goes no it didn't come out negative Remy has PCDH19 and we were like oh okay what's that and she goes well it's kind of like Dravet syndrome and we were like oh okay what's that And she goes, well, it's like one of the more severe forms of epilepsy, but please don't go Googling it. Please don't go, don't search on the internet. I think that we should just sit down and talk about it. It's a spectrum disorder. You never know how severe it will be for Remy. Um, I just, I just wanted to let you know, I don't know how the other neurologists missed that, but this really changes things as far as medication and seizure plan. And so we're going to have to put our heads down and come up with a good a good plan for Remy going forward. So after that, we hung up the phone and we did research. We looked at PCDH-19. We found a few scientific papers, uh, reports, studies that had been done in, I don't know, 2008 or so. And then there was a non organization called the PCDH-19 Alliance. And on that website, that had pictures of kids and it described PCDH-19 and there were ways to connect with other families. After a few days, my mother-in-law, we had told her about the diagnosis and so she did some research and she got connected with that group from the PCDH-19 Alliance and so my mother-in-law was telling me, oh, you got you to gotta go and join this group. There's a support group. You can meet other parents. And so I did. And the first person that I met was the president of the organization named Julie. And me and Julie chatted for a couple hours one night. And I was blown away because she was describing her daughter exactly like Remy. And for the last six months before this, I hadn't heard of anybody else. I hadn't met anybody else. There was there was anybody else who I had ever heard of that had seizures, never had them like Remy until I talked to Julie. And she was explaining her daughter's seizures exactly like Remy's. I will never forget the day when Remy got her diagnosis And I was shocked that the other doctor who ordered Remy's test missed such a huge piece of the puzzle. Had Remy not gotten that second opinion, we would have still went with the first neurologist and who knows where we would be. Maybe we would have tried a bunch of different drugs. I don't know if there was even any more tests that she would have suggested. I really don't know. But what the diagnosis gave us and what the second opinion did for us was it brought us to all the other families who were going through the same issues that we were. And the doctor also had other patients that had the same genetic disorder. And so she already had an idea of how she would treat Remy. And she also worked with people in Europe and and other people that were really knowledgeable in PCDH19 and so she was able to make a tailored plan for Remy so i'll talk to you a little bit about what PCDH19 is we are going to talk about it a lot during this podcast because it's the diagnosis that Remy has and it's what causes her seizures and autism and behavior problems and all of that so one of the symptoms is that a person with PCDH19 has seizures in clusters. Not everybody, but most people that have this disorder have seizures in clusters. And so, a cluster, a seizure cluster is when you have one seizure. So, like for Remy, she'll be fine, she'll be like totally normal, and then she'll have a seizure. And then, after that seizure, we know that more seizures are going to come. And they could come in five minutes or an hour or in a few hours. But most likely, when she has one seizure, she's going to have a lot of seizures. And so a typical cluster, you can't really say across the board because every kid is different and the severity of every kid is different. But a lot of times, people's clusters will last for one day to three to four days some of the more severe clusters or severe cases, they might last for a week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks. Uh, Remy had a seizure cluster that lasted for six weeks. So it it's kind of all over the board. But that is one of the main symptoms of PCDH-19. And if the seizure goes on too long, like a lot of seizures will last for just a second or five seconds or couple minutes. But once it passes about three or four minutes, then it can get into the really scary type of seizure called a status epilepticus seizure. And a lot of the kiddos get these. And those are the seizures that last anywhere from 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes. And that is really dangerous. It's really bad for your brain. The potential of causing brain damage is really high. And when it starts to get that long, it makes it all really, it makes it almost impossible to stop. And so the goal is always when someone with PCDH19 has a seizure, the goal is to make sure that we can get them to stop having seizures. And unfortunately, the only way right now, the only thing that we can do right now is to give drugs. And with PCDH-19, it's a drug-resistant type of epilepsy. So that causes some other problems. So another characteristic is the type of seizures that people have with PCDH-19 are that they're usually focal seizures, and then they can spread into generalized seizures. So that means it starts in one part of your brain, and then it kind of moves. So when people say, what kind of seizure does she have? Well, she kind of has all of them. But a very common one is a tonic seizure. And this is a little bit different because you might have heard of a tonic-clonic seizure, which our kids also have. But uh, a tonic seizure, so a tonic-clonic seizure is what people call a grand mal seizure. That's the one where they're really stiff and they're shaking. Um, It's like what everybody kind of thinks about when they think about seizures. So that means, tonic means stiff and clonic means shaking. And so with Remy, a lot of her seizures are just tonic seizures. So she just gets really stiff. So if you look at her, she's not really shaking. She's not really moving. She's laying there, she stops breathing and her eyes might deviate to the side. And that is a really common seizure. And it's really scary because she stops breathing. And that's kind of common with a lot of the kiddos with PCDH-19. Some of the other characteristics are hypotonia, sleep disturbances, fine and gross motor deficits, language delays or nonverbal like Remy, sensory integration issues and the list goes on. So another unique characteristic of PCDH19 is that it only affects females, with the exception of a very small percentage of boys. But the reason is because PCDH19 gene is on the X chromosome, and so if a male has it, they won't have seizures, but they would pass it on to 100% of their daughters and 0% of their sons. And if a female has it, she would pass it on to 50% of her daughters and 50% of her sons, but her sons would only be carriers. But then a lot of kiddos that have PCDH-19 didn't inherit it from their parents. And that's what they call de novo, which is when the gene mutated during development. So if you want to learn more about PCDH19, you can go to pcdh19info.org and you can learn all about it and connect with other families. But I just wanted to give you a little information about PCDH19 because that's what Remy has and we're going to be talking about it on this podcast a lot. And it's also the result of getting a second opinion and finding the doctor that we just knew right away was the person for Remy. And so if you're listening and you have you have gone through a lot with your child, a lot of issues with, with seizures or whatever it may be, and your doctor just said, I don't know what it is, you'll never find out. Um, and you feel like There's just a feeling inside you, your intuition or your inner voice, inner wisdom that's telling you like maybe there's more. Follow that intuition. The worst that's going to happen is you won't find anyone and you're going to be in the same situation that you are in now. But you also have to be careful that you don't get obsessed with trying to find more answers because just like I was saying before with epilepsy, like the doctor told us, seven out of 10 people never figure out why they have seizures. And so there might there might not be the answers that you're looking for with a different doctor, but it doesn't hurt to try. Even if you got your child tested for some kind of genetic mutation, they might not find anything now, but that doesn't mean that in the future they won't. So a lot of the kiddos with PCDH19 that I know, a lot of them are are older and they didn't get a diagnosis until they were older. And the reason is because the gene wasn't even discovered until 2008. So if it was 2007 and they got a gene test, everything would have come out negative, And most of those people never tried again. But some of those people later on when they were older teenagers or young adults, they went ahead and did another genetic test and then they got their diagnosis. And so that's kind of how it is with everything. Even if you get a test now and nothing comes up, you can always repeat that same test or a different test in a few years and you never know what could come up. So the words of wisdom I have for you today is to follow your intuition, do your research on another doctor that could possibly give you better answers or ideas about what could be going on with your child. Don't get discouraged and just take it one day at a time. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me on my first episode or second episode, however you look at it. And if you want any of the links to Gene DX or the PCDH19 Alliance, you can look at the show notes at acceptingtheunacceptable.com or, uh, I mean, I think in your podcast app, it'll have the, the links on the bottom of that as well. And thank you for bearing with me. This is super new. Podcasting is super new. And I'm sure that... As I go, I'll feel a little bit more comfortable doing this, but it's been fun so far. So I can't wait to dive into the next topic, which is the five stages of grief. And stick around because I think everybody who has a child with any sort of difficulty, um, there's a grieving process that happens. So thanks for sticking around and I will see you next time. Thanks. Bye.